This is Jack Sawinski, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm Podcast. Welcome to episode 204 of Friars on the Farm. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Donovan, you have shown me the way. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you haven't quite done it yet with the breakup team, but certainly just breaking up with the team. And, and it's, you know, it's just like any other unhealthy relationship in our lives. You you can't let it go completely, but you can certainly break up and make up later. You know, that's a good, it's a good analogy with the relationship. It's like, I'm not going to let them hurt me anymore. <laughs> you know, if good things happen, good things happen. But if bad things happen, I'm not going to sweat it. So yeah. after last week and I kept going on and on now, I'm just, I'm done with it. So we'll see what happens and I'm it, not going to lose sleep over it. You know, and the, thing, and the little mindset that I took was like all the guys we've had on our podcast, including Jack Zwinski last night, they're all doing great. Oh yeah. I was loving seeing Jack up there and watching Tucupino Marcano do his thing. I, David Bednar. I know we never had a chance to talk right. to him, but he's right. having a fantastic season. So yeah, I guess that's a good angle. I can, I can turn my eye to what's going on elsewhere. And this week there was so much news up and down the minors yeah. uh, that it makes it a lot easier to just kind of flip that switch and like, okay, Padres aren't doing good. Okay. Let's see what the missions are doing. Let's see what's happening with the storm. What's happening open up in Fort Wayne. Yeah, well, and to just kind of tie a little bow on the major league team, not to be outdone, the the Washington Nationals just took two out of three. Are I just saw on Twitter they won the series against Seattle, another team oh. that had playoff aspirations, and that should have been uh, doing a lot better than what they are doing. So it's we are living in the up, upside down. It, it really is with teams like the Reds and the Diamondbacks just just taking over. Like we live in the upside down, and and teams like the Mets. And the Padres and hell, I I don't know where where the Astros are right now, but I know the the guy that I follow on Twitter that's an Astros fan is tweeting just he hates his team right now. So I don't know where they are with winning, but they're certainly not winning uh, the amount of games that they should be winning. So we're in the upside down. All right. Well, this week we are going to have our major league minute. Uh, we're talking about players reaching for higher ground, and and then we've got the uh, Mad Friars affiliate rundown. People. <laughs> okay, so for the Major League Minute, we've got one big bullet point on here, and it was a fun one to watch. Matt Waldron got called up, and he was one out away from a quality start in his yeah. first Major League appearance. Like I said, guys that we've had on the podcast, shoving. Mackenzie yeah. on Sunday, shoving. I, I look, okay, fine. On Sunday, I looked at the box score, and I, I pointed out, you know, tapped on Gore. Oh, six. Like it was the second inning, he had six strikeouts. <laughs> he had oh, six he was strikeouts. out with a vengeance, man. You know, but and this is something that I tweeted uh, about Matt was like when he was coming up in in uh, in in Fort Wayne and in Double A, he was eighty percent, almost ninety percent knuckleball, and he was with with mixed results. A lot of times, not getting the results that uh, that you know that you would expect from a knuckleball. Well, and, he was exploring. He was exploring the space. He yeah. was Will Ferrell with the cowbell, exploring the space with yeah. that with that knuckleball. And now he's got it. He's got it dialed in where he uses it 20 percent of the time because his his fastball plays. He's yeah. got a pretty darn good slider. Yeah. So as long as he keeps that fastball away from middle middle, which bit him a couple of times in his start, unfortunately that that led to the loss. But you know he he could he could stick around for a while. Yeah, and, and I think it was just a bad happenstance that 
you know, that they sent him back, uh, you know, in lieu of Lugo coming back and, you know, Reese Kinnear coming up and then, you know, Darvish going, uh, I, I don't feel well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially, Darvish calling in sick to work um, for whatever reason, uh, you know, and Reese got, you know, got the tough, got the tough luck start. And, you know, this is just, you know, there, there is space for a Reese Kinnear. It's going to take a little bit longer for them to figure it out. Um, but he's certainly not a starter, but he certainly can find somewhere in the bullpen that that he could be of help. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the season, I kept talking about, oh, this team has so much depth. And now it's kind of being exposed that there really isn't that yeah. depth. And yeah. the bullpen is like three and a half guys deep. The starting rotation, the front five guys have done a fantastic job. But as soon as you need to, to lean on somebody else, yeah. it's not looking so good. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if people talking about fire Bob Melvin. Well, it's not Bob Melvin's fault that there isn't a whole lot in, in depth that right. the guys that he's calling the bat off the bench aren't, aren't doing their job. Uh, so, you know, I mean, last week I was all frustrated because who knows what the solution is now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of over it. I'll, yeah. A little bit of me kind of wants to see this whole thing go off the rails and, <laughs> and see something crazy happens so that they wind up having to do a, a hard reset, but you know, We'll save that for the offseason, I hope. Right. And I don't really think that's going to happen. I, I, you know, I, and I think I said this last episode, and I think everyone's kind of felt this way, is the, is the lineup's incomplete. I mean, it's a tough season, absolutely. way this Padre team goes is not the way of Fernando Tatis Jr. It's the way of Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you have him with a slow start and then Xander Bogarts, who started hot, but then with the wrist issue, uh, you know, went incredibly cold and continues to be very, very cold. I mean, uh, is he hitting 250? Maybe. You know, yeah. uh, um, so the way the Padres go are those guys. And with the rest of the lineup, not as, as you know, the unfinished is, if you want to say with Grish, um, people love, love Crone. Or, no, I'm sorry. People love Kim. Um, he's a very defensive glove first uh, infielder. He's had a great 12 days. He's had a great two weeks. Don't get me wrong. He is on fire right now. Is that sustainable? Does that keep up? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think he's going to come back down to earth. Um, but good for Kim having that two weeks, just kind of showing up when everyone else isn't. And so uh, the team has got to fire on on at least more than one or two cylinders. And that's just the way it goes. You just you can't have one guy hot and the rest of the squad just, you know, shit in the bed. Um, yeah. But I think that's a lot of that stuff's going to be, you know, I think next year is going to happen. Um you know, they're going to make some moves. AJ will make moves at what he does and we'll see where, where if, it ends if up. AJ is still in the chair to be making those moves. Right. Right. You know, I think Peter Seidel will be looking hard, looking hard at, cause he did in the beginning of the season, all those moves are like, Holy cow. All those nine, you know, having four shortstops and spending a huge amount of money to, to, to get Xander Bogarts is highly questionable. But if you look on paper, the guy is solid. You're like, Holy cow. That's a great move. Like I almost crashed my car going to my brother's house in Tennessee because I heard the news on Twitter. But now it's, you know, it's not looking so great. And now it's looking what, you know, kind of what like the team is going to look like. Are those two guys are going to hit in about five years? Well, we'll, we'll find out, yeah. but hopefully our major league minute starts pairing its way back down. So it's in a minute, it's a minute yeah. again. So we can focus on the things we came here to talk about, which is minor league stuff. Yeah. So coming up this uh, for the All-Star game, moving on to the MILB news, is Jackson Merrill was named to the Futures game. Congratulations, Jackson Merrill. <laughs> so this is the write-up on him. He opened up the season as the ninth youngest player in the Midwest League. 
Despite just turning 20 in April, Merrill ranks 13th in the circuit in batting average at 266. Uh, since May 5, over the last 40 games, his 301 average is fifth best. For the season, Merrill also ranks sixth in le- league in hits at 65, seventh in runs with 40. He has the fifth lowest strikeout rate at 12%, which is fantastic for a 20 year old in high A. Um, along with eight lowest swinging strike rate at 6%. Meanwhile, Merrill has produced 11 doubles, two triples, and seven home runs. And we've really seen him come on. He started the season super slow, and you're wondering who we are going to have go to, you know, is Robbie Snelling going to get that shot at, at the at the Futures game? Um, no, he has come on in the past month or so, and has warmed up in Fort Wayne and really begun to uh, to put that shine back on the top prospect in the Padres system. For sure. Yeah. And his April was really cold. I just, just pulled it up. He batted 177 for the month of April, <laughs> but it's first of all, it's cold in Fort Wayne and all throughout the Midwest league. But on top of that, he was dealing with some kind of illness. There was that flu bug that made its way through the whole, uh, the whole Fort Wayne clubhouse. And it seemed like it stuck with him for a couple of weeks of that first month. So I like that they, they separated out that since May 5th, what he's done over the last 40 games, because he's really started to look more like the guy that, Everybody thinks he's going to be. And on top of that, he started getting to his pull power a little bit more, um, you know, hitting for a little bit power, which um, it's, it's everything you want out of the guy. Yeah. And at 20, you know, Jackson, at 20 years old, I don't want to see him hitting 30, 40, you know, 15, 20 bombs in, in high A. You know, give him 15 for the season. That'd be great. But the power will come. Like, just hit the ball in all fields, hit it hard, line drives, everything else will work itself out. But what I do love is the other two players that are going to the Futures game used to be in our system, both friends of the podcast and Joey Cantillo and James Wood. Yeah, James Wood was no surprise, and he's just kept on doing amazing things. He's already up in Fort Wayne or up in double A. But Joey Cantillo was a pleasant surprise. He had a pretty good year last year. He's off to a good start this year. Uh, Seems like he's put the injury bugs behind him. And he's just he's just cruising right now. So yeah. nice to see him get a little bit of uh, of, of attention. He's going to get a little bit of national press love. Hopefully, he uh, gets to pitch in the game and and shows off what he gets what he does. Yeah, absolutely. That injury, you know, we drafted him out of high school. So, he, but he got injured right after he got traded. He just injuries and struggled. Uh, he's really turning it back on. I shot him a text yesterday and said, "Hey, congratulations on your futures game." You know, we text him back. Thanks a lot. You know, so it's really nice to have those that connection and see him. He was the what? He was Hawaii's top Gatorade player of the year. Okay, so next on our list, the Padres organization has been crazy busy over the last week, moving guys up and up and up and up. That's why everybody's moving on to higher ground. So. Um, oh, in preparation for the no, so the draft is coming up in a couple of weeks, and that may be part of what's going on. They're starting to make room at the lower levels for people to move up to the draft, uh, but it's also a little bit of a reward for people, you know, how off to a good first start. Uh, and also the major league opt outs that happened at the top level make some openings. Uh, so anyway, from the ACL moving up to the storm, we've got catcher Oswaldo Linares, outfielder Braden Carpathios, and right-handed pitcher Wilton Castillo. Uh, Oswaldo Linares, he was up already this year. Um, I believe he had some time last year as well, Uh, but Carpathios and Castillo, this is their first time uh, leaving the the complex. I love Braden Carpathios' name. I want to hear Kaz up at Lake Elsinore say his (laughs) name and just have it boom and echo in that that arena. Uh, And then next, moving from the storm up to Fort Wayne, here's where the names start to get interesting. 
Robbie Snelling and Austin Crobb, the two best starting pitchers in Lake Elsinore, and possibly, I mean, I don't want to get into hyperbole, but they've been kicking butt. Yeah. Uh, right-handed pitcher Carter Lowen, friend of the podcast. Also friend of the podcast, Graham Pauly, third baseman. Catcher Anthony Villar. Right fielder uh, Albert Fabian. Right-handed pitcher William Geardies. You know, most of those, most, more than half of those guys are friends of the yeah. podcast, thanks to you. Yeah. Well, that's good to have them about an hour away. Um, the, the Snelling and, and Crab are absolutely well. All these guys really, you know, really deserve it. Carter Lowen was the closer last year before he was shut down with Tommy John, um, for for Fort Wayne and was you know on his way to a promotion, almost on his way to a promotion at Double A when he you know we ran into the injury and had to have Tommy John. Uh, Grand Paul just raking like the kid just rakes, and um, you know Austin Crab's going to get the start tomorrow night, so he's first. Welcome to High A, buddy. Right. And so the other thing you can read between the tea leaves here. So Anthony Villar clears a little bit of playing space yeah. for Ethan Salas. Um, so I think Salas is going to stay on the same kind of schedule where he catches like two or three games a week, DH two or three games a week, and then gets a, uh, a game off. Um, but really, he's going to be the primary guy where before he was taking the back seat up till now. Yeah, absolutely. So then moving from Fort Wayne up to San Antonio, we've got outfielder Justin Farmer, catching Brandon, catcher Brandon Valenzuela, right-handed pitchers Raul Brito and Jared Kolar, and uh, minor league free agent Blake Sutherland. Yeah, the, the Farmer is, I, I think they're, they're moving out because of his age. Like he, They need to see what he can do uh, in high and in, in double A and, and just see what they got. But Brandon Valenzuela has absolutely been tearing it apart. Um, this year in high A, and that's well deserved. So it's going to be interesting to watch those games. A couple of those guys coming up, you know, it, it, as well as as the missions are doing, and they'll be going to the playoffs at the end of the season. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how well Valenzuela, you know, adjusts to Double A pitching, and Justin Farmer for that reason, because Farmer, you know, has had a really good past couple of weeks as well. Yeah, they say that that step from high A to double A is a massive step as far as the level of competition. Right. Right. So, you know, so if they go up there and they struggle for, you know, the rest of the season, that's fine. It, it is. It's that step. And we always say, you know, if you can play in double A, you can probably play in the major leagues, but it's about being consistent. Right. Uh, you got a little note in here, infielder Nerwillian Cedeno and big league right-handed pitcher uh, Tom Cosgrove start rehab assignments in Arizona tonight. Um, you know, Arizona is an interesting place to watch right now. And we don't, we can't put eyes on it, but there's a lot of interesting names playing games in Arizona right now. Uh, so moving from San Antonio up to El Paso, finally, we've got Nolan Watson, right-handed pitcher Nick Hernandez, outfielder Tirso Ornelas, and left-handed pitcher Aaron Leisher. Uh, so Nick Hernandez is something, somebody that I was curious about. I was taking a look, uh, you know, just checking the stats, seeing who's doing what. And all of a sudden I took a look at him and his strikeout rate is through the roof. He's not walking anybody, but we haven't heard a whole lot about Nick Hernandez. Right. So I reached out to Mad Friars and I'm like, what can you tell us? So apparently he's a righty, but he's got like an odd arm angle and he's not a hard thrower. So he's right. maybe like another Alec Jacob type. Um, where he he'll touch 90, but he gets by with deception and guile and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, you know, if he keeps doing what he's doing, who knows where he's going to get a chance? Absolutely. And Nolan Watson, beside his last start, which I think we'll talk about here in a minute, um, was rough. It is another one of those. He's a minor league free agent. That's just we need to see what he can do. And and 
the Pacific Coast League is the way to go. Just a kind of a little real quick note on the Tom Cosgrove. He's been sent to El Paso. So he'll be starting in El Paso or making his rehab, quote unquote, um, appearances in El Paso uh, starting tonight. Okay. I, I don't remember what the nature of his injury was, but it wasn't something serious. It was like a quad strain or something, something minor like that. You know, and it couldn't have happened at a worse time when the bullpen. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> you know, but one of the hugest, you know, Aaron Lesher was up in El Paso last year, and we were talking about it almost every episode where he was doing well enough where he should be getting, you know, knocking on the door for a shot in the bullpen. And to see what Tirso Ornelas, like he had spent just a minute up there, uh, I think last year. Um, but let's see if uh, what he has done this past few weeks uh, is for real, you know? And, oh yeah. He's turned it on. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Cause when I, I just kind of thinking forward into next season, like if, if we, you know, obviously we'll have Juan Soto in left and uh, you know, Grish and center and, and Teddy and, and, and right. So if, you know, if, if Grish gets traded or if Soto gets traded, you know, sometime during the year next year and we can't sign him, um, you know, does Tirso get moved over to left field and right or right field in, in spring training and, does he make a shot for a for a spot in, in the big league roster? That's way too early for me to think about that kind of stuff. Besides, I'm I'm done worrying about what's happening in the major league. Right, now. right. <laughs> uh, so before we get to our affiliate rundown, quick little note here. Congratulations, Jansen Witty. He was named PCL Player of the Week. The uh, Chihuahua's third baseman had 12 hits, scored nine runs, three doubles, four homers, and eight RBIs last week. Fantastic week for Jansen Witty. So I was watching the game. I was like, God, was it was it Thursday? That might have been Thursday. It was, it was this weekend. And they were down a run in like the eighth inning. And I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, there's a, a single walk. Bases get juiced. And like, you know, and I'm watching that game. But I'm watching the big screen. And uh, bam, he just crushes a grand slam. <laughs> crushes a grand slam. And now everyone has these LCD, you know, LED lights. So as he's even, before he even gets the first base, the lights are going flash, 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 like a concert show. Um, just crush it. And it couldn't have happened at a better time in the eighth inning. I So the Rockies games, when the Padres go to Colorado, it seems like it's like anything can happen. They're, they're down by eight runs. Doesn't matter because they can come back and score 12 like that. And that's what the PCL feels like sometimes. Yeah. So it's fun to turn on a Chihuahuas game. It doesn't matter what the score is because you never know what you're going to see next. And then on top of that, you got Chico, you got the stuff in between innings and all that. They have a good time down there in El Paso. It's just kind of, you see, you know, I watch a lot of these games and a guy will hit an outside, low outside pitch. We're like, oh, anywhere else in the world, that's a pop up to shallow right field. All of a sudden, you know, it pans out to right field and the outfielder is just standing there and watches it go off the uh, the dog pounder, the mayor's office there and, and right field. You're like, how that that ball shouldn't be hit that far where it was pitched and where he made connect, you know, where he made contact. It's just it's the moon. It's there. It's it's Vegas. Um, Albuquerque. Albuquerque is another Reno. one of those just like the these upper elevation towns that have no, you know, just dry as a bone. Are, are just launching pads, but you know, it, it's, it's a good way to see if you can play, you know? Okay. So I, I had a conversation earlier this week and somebody was harping on, well, El Paso, the Padres have their AAA in El Paso and that's detrimental to player development, blah, 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 blah. And my point to that was, so 
the team in blue up the street, their AAA team is in Albuquerque. Yeah. Or at least it used to be for a long time. No, no they're in they're, Oklahoma City now. Yeah. But they Colorado. were in Albuquerque for a long time. And uh, and that never affected them. And Albuquerque is even more of a launching pad. So it's like saying that Petco Park, well, I can't hit in Petco Park because the fences and the, the humidity and all this stuff, it's, it gets in people's heads. Yeah. It's, it's not, they're not the only team playing in Petco Park. There's another team on the field. They've got the same challenges of you know trying to get the ball over the fence when the marine layer is in there and the wind's blowing in. Right. How can we? How can it be a, a home disadvantage when other teams are hitting the ball out of the ball yard and hitting it all over the field? Um, same thing with El Paso. You, you, El Paso was a hitter's ballpark, um, and that's 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 a Diamondbacks Double A team now, and mm-hmm. they seem to be having pulling up guys just as just as fine. You know, it, it's it's um it, it's not the Amarillo, yeah, yeah, Amarillo. It's not the ballpark, ladies and gentlemen. It's the players, and, and, yep. and it becomes a mindset. It becomes uh, addicting. I, I tweeted. I love the scene in the natural, where right before he starts getting his um his shot, you know, there's like, oh, that was a bad play. Uh, you know, there's a fumble of the ball. Losing is like a disease, as contagious <laughs> as syphilis. As gnarly <laughs> as the bubonic plague, you know, and I posted that, you know, I said, thank God I didn't have to watch the San Diego Knights play tonight. Um, it, it's it just happens like this, and it, it just rolls downhill. Um, another GM, you know, Billy Epler, um, who I knew in the past is on the is on the hot seat, you know, and he was saying, yeah, look, there's plenty of runway left for uh, you know, for them to turn it around, and that runway for both teams is getting shorter and shorter. And and if this is if this is the season of the un, you know the upside down, so be it. You know, I, I think it was the Red Sox that went from last place to the World Series uh, one year. Not to make other comparisons, like we've been making comparisons, like this team has been this at this spot of the, in the season when they went to the World Series. Like it doesn't always work like that, but certainly, um, stranger things have happened for sure. All right, well, let's shift gears. Let's take it on to the affiliate rundown. Yes, starting with the storm. And thanks again, Mad Friars, uh, for giving us the information. A lot of the information here I gleaned from the dailies. A lot of the other information I gleaned from the uh, from the from the teams. So strike one. Thursday has become Groundhog Day in Lake Elsinore, and Robbie Snelling hasn't seen his shadow. So expect six more weeks of the Snelling. <laughs> uh oh! But then he then gets the called ground, up. Again, the Groundhog got called up. <laughs> Uh, of the Cal League lineups and probably soon to be Fort Wayne Midwest League lineups uh, until AJ Preller sees fit to challenge him with a promotion of Fort Wayne, written long like a couple of days ago. Um, a single, and that's it. No walks, four strikeouts. The score was a laugher at fourteen to one in favor of the Storm, and a couple of players that needed good uh, good days had them. Rossman Verdugo went three for five with his first homer as a member of the Storm. The Ensenada native has slashed 281, 352, and 391 in June. A very encouraging sign after some struggles at the plate in the first two months of the season. The homer was his first as a member of the Storm. Verdugo is the second youngest qualified hitter on the circuit. The other was Ethan Salas, who went three for six with a double. Oh, love it. Okay, yeah. so strike two on Saturday. Righty Henry Williams worked into the fifth inning just for this the first time since his professional debut in May. The 21-year-old righty allowed just one hit in his first trip through the lineup, but gave up a two-run homer in the fourth inning. 
He finished the game having allowed three hits, a pair of walks, and one hit batter, and worked up to 65 pitches. The third rounder has been sitting sitting in the low 90s as he continues his return from Tommy John surgery. You know, 65 pitches through five innings is pretty efficient work. Yeah, so absolutely. Al- Albert Fabian, appearing as the DH, had two more hits, including the team's only extra base hit with his 18th double of the year. The 21-year-old is in the midst of his best month since last June, posting a 934 OPS with a walk rate that's more than doubled from the first two months of the season. He leads the Cal Lee League in extra base hits with 31. So, And that's where it's going to stay because he's moving on up. Yeah, absolutely. So strike three, Sunday righty Miguel Mendez. Got roughed up again, allowing five earned runs over three and a third innings after allowing just one run over eight innings in his first two starts after joining the storm last month. The 20-year-old has been torched for 18 runs and 12 and a third innings across the last four games. He's walked eight against seven strikeouts in that stretch, pushing his whip to 1.62 for the year. The lineup had to face Dodger starter Julio Urias. Uh, making the rehab start. So the offense was held to one run over four innings by Urias. Then fared even worse against the pair of quake relievers in the game. The club managed just three hits and struck out 16 times. Woof. So I think the moral of that story is if you're going to pick a day to go up to Lake Elsinore or watch the storm, Sunday might not be the best day for it. Right. <laughs> Plus it's starting to get hot. And the day games up in Lake Elsinore, woo, they can get hot. Yes, they can. Absolutely. And we've had a quite a mild, you know, it's funny because when I go up there, the first guys I see are the guys out in the parking lot. They get up there three hours before game time. And I'm like, you guys have had a lucky this year. It has not been bad. They're like, I know it's like they got an umbrella out there, but still in that asphalt sitting there just, you know, picking tickets. But yeah, it's like, don't say that too loud. Knock on some wood. <laughs> Okay, so next up is Fort Wayne uh, for strike one. On Friday, Marcos Castagnon and right fielder Joshua Mears both went deep. Castagnon crushed a two-run shot after Jacob Marcy walked in the third. The UC Santa Barbara alum also had an RBI in the first inning. Mears' home run in the eighth was off a 98 heater and left the yard at 113 miles an hour. The 430-foot blast had fans ducking for cover, but the ball went over the Tiki Hut in left field. Uh, they were playing at home, right? I think I saw that that home run. No, it would. Yeah, I think they were. I, I watched that game, and and you see if he just crushes it, and then it pans out to the outfield, and there's a little Tiki Hut there, and you see people like duck their heads. So much to say, heads up, the people ducking their heads, but it went over the Tiki Hut. It's keeping on going. Uh, Jacob Marcy had two hits and two walks, an RBI double and a single where he scored after stealing second, then third. And then Nathan Martorella hit a sack fly for his Midwest league leading 48th RBI. Marcy raised his on base percentage to 394 for the season. That's a great number in Padre land. Fourth highest in the Midwest league. His 22 stolen bases are fifth in the circuit. He leads the league in runs at 53 and ranks second in walks at 50. Left-hander Bodie Rascon started for the Caps and allowed just one earned run in five innings with five punch-outs. Um, today's game, they're playing Lake County, which is right on the shores of uh, Lake Erie uh, by outside of Cleveland. And today's game got canceled or postponed because of the smoke in the in the air. Right. That's from the, the fires in Canada, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the I saw the tweet from the Pittsburgh Pirates that they talked to the Major League Base. They talked to everyone, but they're still going to have the game. Um, you know, and here's the here's the thing with with Canada. Uh, they're wise. They're just they're not. They're just protecting. They're protecting buildings and letting that yep. thing burn. Right. Like there's well, it, it's a natural progress. It's a natural thing that happens in the forest. Forest fires. 
It's right. a natural thing. It's and healthy so, for certain yeah. certain plants. You know, I mean, yes, you have loss of animals and all of this, but it's healthy for the underbrush to burn out every once in a while. So yeah. it sucks for humans. It sucks for athletes. So if you're in if you're in Cleveland right now, probably you know stay indoors and you know <laughs> don't do any heavy exertion outside. But you know, yeah, it's Mother Nature doing its thing. Right, let let Mother Nature do her thing. So strike two Saturday, Victor Lizarraga he needed 86, 89 pitches to labor. He, uh, Saturday, Victor Lizarraga needed eighty nine pitches and labored through four two thirds of innings, allowing three runs on six hits. The nineteen year old struck out four against just one walk. After a rough start to the year, Lizarraga has a 3.66 ERA over his last four starts. Jacob Marcy and the Mark and, and the Marcus Castagnon had back-to-back singles to get the tin caps on the board in the first, but the club managed just four more hits in the game. Marcy added a second single later in the game and now is eight for 19 in the series with three stolen bases. Castagnon is also in the midst of his most productive month for Fort Wayne, hitting 310 with an 814 OPS. I'm, you know, I'm a big Jacob Marcy fan. I watched a lot of that kid play in, in Fort Wayne and he's fun. He gets oh, on yeah. and he steals bags, you know, um, he's a six rounder, you know, out, out of central Michigan. One of those guys where you just, you, 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 you like the tools and see if we can develop those guys. Absolutely. All right. So strike three uh, on Sunday, Hiro Iriarte struck out a career high 10 batters over six innings. And for the first time this year, didn't walk a batter showing a fastball that was up to 97 miles an hour in the early innings, settled in around 94 to 95 deeper in the game. Iriarte worked over Cubs batters with his slider and several well-located change-ups. The 21-year-old hurler got 23 stringing, swinging strikes among his 86 pitches. He's now second on the circuit with 69 strikeouts in 55 innings, which leaves him just an inning short of qualifying for sixth in the Midwest League with a 2.95 ERA. After Iriarte, Henry Henry worked a perfect seventh inning. Keegan Collett came on and did the same in the eighth. At that point, Fort Wayne pitching had retired 15 consecutive batters. Joshua Mears launched a grand slam for his second homer of the game. By the time the dust settled from a Nathan Martorella blast, Fort Wayne had put up a ninth spot on the board and cruised to the series win. Mears, who also drew a walk and stole his eighth base of the season, had exit velocities of 109 and 110 on his homers. The big outfielder went three for 18 in the series with each hit going over the wall. He also struck out nine more times. On the year, 96 of 160 plate appearances have ended in a walk, strikeout, or homer. The three true outcomes. Uh, (laughs) Martorella's 12th homer barely scraped over the left center wall, but carried enough for his second round tripper against left-handed pitching on the year. The 22-year-old first baseman has hit in five straight and now shares the Midwest League lead in homers and sits fifth with an 851 OPS. It makes me think of of Hank Aaron, that he didn't care how far they went. They count the same. doesn't matter if they're in the first row or the 10th row. I love watching that kid hit. He his swing is is just it's it it's not your it's not your fluid sweet left-handed swing. It is a violent. I am going to punch this ball with the bat. And every time he hits, I'm like I'm a. We always say in our home, you know, the Dodgers are like, oh, it's a pop fly. All the Dodger fans go, yeah, and like it's a can of corn to, to shallow left field. Um, every time that kid swings the bat, I the outfielders gotta take steps back because it's just such a hack. And you know, I don't, so I don't mean to pull a, a comp, but the, the general look of his swing, I don't know why it reminds you of Jim Tomey. Yeah, just just a big, big boy, big donkey, too. Good athletic kid, too. And and Josh Mears, we, you know, how much, how many of us Padre fans just 
are dreaming on Josh Mears. If if he could just put it together, that kid is built like a tank. Um, he could hit, you know, he could be a DH if he just cut down the strikeouts. But you know, there's there's plenty of time left, and you know, we've seen we've seen better things, you know, crazier things happen. But it's just every time he makes connect, he connects with the ball, it's just hit very far. And his swing, it, it is so the power is so effortless. Like soon as he hits, soon as he hits the ball, you're like, there it is, it's gone. It, it's just gone. Yeah, but I there isn't really a track record for guys with his kind of strikeout rate ever figuring it out when they when they make their way up. I mean, people like to point out Joey Gallo that he strikes out a ton, but you take a look at his numbers when he was in single A, double A. And he wasn't striking out nearly at that kind of rate back then. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's that slider. It's the it's the middle of the plate slider that ends in the other side of the batter's box. Okay, let's move on to San Antonio. So John, John Conniff and Mark Wilkins uh, were in San Antonio, and we'll be looking forward to some of the content that they have coming out in the coming weeks uh, with their interviews and time they're spent in San Antonio. And so also the, the meal reviews. Right. You know, uh, I, I see a couple of those plates, and you know, as a, as, a, as someone that's in the restaurant industry, I'm like, that's just bad. I mean, it's what, you mean, real, it's you mean like really unhealthy good. or what? Well, well, just like the, the the white plate with the one line around it, and it's like a, a I don't know. I saw a couple of those plates. Sure, the the barbecue is going to be fantastic. I think mean, that's not that's a given. But a couple of the other things that I think uh, Conniff had posted is like. And that must be really good because just the, the plating is is really bad. <laughs> well, it's it's it, it's it's not how it looks; how it tastes. Right, that, right. And they're going yeah. to these greasy spoon places. They're not going to your four star restaurants. Right. They're going to, to the place <laughs> where they've been grilling on that same grill for forty years, seasoned like a professional. I, I absolutely. I just, but I want to see more of that brisket stuff. I want to see more of the barbecue. Well, put um, in a request. Right. <laughs> Um, so moving on, so the next three, you know, strike one, strike two, strike three are going to be a little bit longer. There's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some quotes out of here from from players and from the manager. So they're a little bit longer, but they're they're really nice. So let's start off in strike one. Friday, Tristan Ornelas is showing no signs of slowing down. He had a walk off single. The Tijuana native went three for five after coming into the game hitting three seventy two, four thirty, and six ninety two for the month. Uh, and that's only one week spent in Amarillo. Uh, Terso has had a huge June uh, quote. I worked very hard in the off season and being with the big league club in spring training helped me a lot this year. Said Ornelas, the big league players gave me a lot of advice, which was given, which gave me a lot of confidence from where Tristle started this year to where he is now with just a complete 180." said missions manager, Luke Mons on Ornelas and who has an OPS of 653 in April and 685 in May. There was a little talk with it, there were some sit-downs, and he owned up at some of the things he wasn't quite doing, and it's amazing to see what he's doing on the field. The person that he believes he is, the confidence he has now, and the big leader that he believes he will soon become is what you're seeing now. I like the accountability. Yeah. I, I like that, that that they're having that dialogue about, okay, this is what you've been doing. This is what we expect out of you, um, and he's owning it, and he's making the positive changes. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely, and, and that's you know, to go back to the major league team and the complaining of every fan base's team talking about the hitting coach, that's essentially what they do. Hey, I see you're doing this. Not do this to get better, but hey, I see you opening up. Hey, I see you doing that. You know, these are the things that that they keep um, them apprised of and they give them the information 
and they make the changes or they don't make the changes. But, you know, if the team's doing badly, if they're not hitting, it's the coach, dude, if he had that much control, I'd send him over to the Middle East or the Ukraine. Fix that stuff over there first. You don't have that much power. Their power is in noticing changes in swings, noticing changes in patterns, and letting them know that stuff and then, you know, having them correct it. Well, maybe somewhere there's a guru that just has those magic words that like hypnotizes you and puts you in the right, right mindset. Like I always heard that about Darren Balsley, that he could go out and talk to a pitcher pitchers out there struggling. He'd go out there and say three words. And it was exactly what the guy needed to hear to like shift what he's thinking and get him back on track. I, that that's a, that's a difficult skill to have. Those those people are rare. And that's what Ruben Niebla has. And that's what a lot of people talk about. Ruben is like, he can take complicated concepts and put them down into pitch better. Damn it. You know, or, or do yeah, this. right. You know, and sometimes a lot of that is just going out there saying, Hey, look, you're just missing your spots. Keep throwing that fastball or you know, keep throwing that pitch. You're just missing it. You know, it, it's, it's real simple stuff that you get that gives that confidence in, in ease of players on the mound. All right. Well, take us into strike two. All right, so strike two Saturday. This game was zero. Dude, I watched this game, and it's funny because I, I, I texted Mark and John. I'm like, do either one of you guys like pitching duels? And, and Mark, Mark texted back, um, it's a great way to watch the, you know, the, the craft of the game. Uh, and I worry about those who don't. I'm like, well, worry about me because I hate pitching duels. I, I need to know. <laughs> I want 10 run leads. I want 15 run leads. I want to know that their team's going to win. That's the kind of person I am in, in, in life, too. If I know I'm going to be okay tomorrow, I'll be okay today. Um, so this game was going 0-0 in the eighth. And this is another one of those games where I just I'm watching three or four games at the same time, watching the big, you know, the big screen TV at home. And I'm like, oh, check on the okay, 0-0 in the seventh. Okay, 0-0 in the eighth. Jesus. Um, and it's just, you know, Jose Espada, who made one of the best starts of the season, striking out seven batters in four innings while giving up two hits and walking two. Uh, that's the kind of performance you, you need in double A. And, and just, I hate it. I want runs. I want offense. Not for the entertainment value. I want to know that they're winning. And I want to know that my team can hit. Yeah, but it's minor leagues. Wins don't matter, right? Um, right. I, I, but and so, and you know, it's funny. A lot of these games where you, you know you see a Robbie Snelling or a Hero Iriarte pitch the six, you know, six seven innings of you know one three hit ball or whatever, and the other team a couple of times has seen this Fort Wayne where they've lost two to two to one with you know Iriarte throwing six you know shutout innings and then they gave up one run. Or, you know, they get one run, but they also just give up, you know, the other team scores too. Um, so I've seen a lot of pitching duels in, in the season. Um, it's just as it gets higher up, I care more. <laughs> All right, back on track. So the game was Espinada's fifth start in 19 appearances with a mission and the second start of the series after he gave up five earned runs in two-thirds of an inning on Tuesday. He's not really an older guy, but he's got a little experience, missions manager Luke Mons noted of the 26-year-old starter. He knows what he's doing, and he knows that Tuesday wasn't his best, but he bounced back against a pretty much the same lineup, and it means a lot to show that he came back and punched seven guys out. Bobby Malacki was the first arm out of the San Antonio bullpen, and the 26-year-old righted through three scoreless innings, allowing three hits while striking out two and walking none. In 17 total appearances in 2023, Malacki's first season in the Padres organization, he is 3-1 with a 2, 2.13 ERA. 
with a 41 to 13 strikeout to walk ratio in 38 innings. Primarily, most of that stuff was in Fort Wayne, and he's only been up for a couple of weeks. Um, but Malaki showed you everything tonight. He's another guy who's got a good mix. He's just got he just got to open up his arsenal and keep guys off balance, says Mons. He competes and he has a good feel for what he's doing. They got winning one, uh, they got winning one with the tying runner on third, but could not score. The winning run, the withering run, the winning run. It was the winning run. Uh, on strike. Go ahead. And we're going we're gonna to hear a little bit about that later on in the El Paso rundown where a pitch mix is so important. Um, pitching to your strength and not, and not to the, uh, you know, pitching to your strength and not the hitter's weakness. Like you're going to see a little bit of that later on. All right. So strike three on Sunday, Jackson Wolf, who's been their best starter this season, took them out on Sunday, but a slightly subpar performance by the lefty and sloppy play in the field yielded the home team an eight to four loss. Quote, we saw that his velocity was a little off, but he felt fine and was frustrated with a few pitches and we didn't play well on defense at all, said Luke Montz. Uh, We didn't pick him up and I'm sure everyone having a couple of days off will help. The combination of a temperature of 94 degrees fatigue and having clinched the first half playoff spot earlier in the week may have led to a lapse in concentration quote. I want to be a good manager to these guys. And I know people are tired after six games, but you just can't fold on Sunday said months. We haven't really played well on Sundays in the first half, and we still have work to do. I'm doing this for their careers and to better myself, but the rest of this year, it will get hot. And if we fold every Sunday, it will look bad for all of us. I harp on this, uh, that we're trying to get everyone their rest, but that Sunday game is just as important as all the rest. Wolf ended up going five innings on 80 pitches, throwing 50 for strikes. While he missed some locations, it could have been a closer game if a few plays had gone the other way. The six foot seven lefty finished the first half with a 3.9 ERA in 14 starts with 82 strikeouts against only 17 walks in 67 innings. Quote, he's a super competitive kid, said Mons in a pregame interview. You wouldn't think it by how relaxed he is in the clubhouse or out on the field kicking around a soccer ball, but he does not care who's in the batter's box. He's locked in and will compete. Nothing will throw him off. So I wonder what was going on. What's been going on with his laps on Sundays. So Sundays are usually day games. I wonder if that's part of it, that there's something about their routine that the guys aren't quite ready to roll once game time comes around. Or, you know, if you got people that are having a little too much fun on Saturday or what, what, what could it be? Uh, But yeah, the temperature, it's only going to get hotter. I mean, it's already hot in Texas. It's like they're breaking records out there and we've only just begun. And we've only just begun summer, um, you know, and, and it, you know, to go back to the Texas league, the Texas league is once again, it's a hitter. It is atmosphere as well. Not a lot of elevation at some elevation. I think in Amarillo, I think that's uh, that in the wind, but it's a hitters park. It's hot, it's dry and the ball travels. So, you know, with someone with like uh, Jackson that doesn't throw gas, you know, he, once again, he relies on location and movement and, and a little bit of deception with that lower uh, three quarters angle um, arm slot uh, and six, you know, this guy's six foot seven. Having a three, nine ERA is pretty damn good. Right. So that, that, that'll, that'll adds up to keep the ball on the ground. Yeah. You know, do what yeah. you can to get the guys to beat the ball into the dirt and, it's it's double a guys are going to miss plays and and that's that's one thing that you see in the minors that i think you take for granted if you watch a lot of major league baseball is that they make every play that they should every play they get to it seems like they're making it and you watch in the minors and you see guys throw to the wrong base you see people booting plays that they that they should you see throws sailing way over guys heads 
that you just don't see at upper levels. So I'm yeah. sure that could be frustrating to a pitcher. Definitely could be frustrating to a coach, uh, but that's where the guys learn. Yeah. And well, and you see, you know, you see these crazy plays on the infield uh, and they practice those. Manny doesn't not practice that deep throw from the foul territory in third base. He practices that they, you know, Hassan Kim practices that in Crone practice those plays deep up, up, you know, in up the middle. Uh, same with Bogarts. All those guys practice those plays that were like, holy cow, the little number over the over the mound, you know, where the, the shortstop's running in, grabbing it and throwing it. They practice those things relentlessly more than they, they do the regular ground balls, you know? Right. And they, they make them look so easy. Yeah. And, and that's the thing with, with Bogarts, his, his defensive, he doesn't, the eye test doesn't jump out to you. Right. You don't watch him make plays and go, wow, amazing range. What a cannon arm, you know, crazy athleticism, but you see those awkward in between. And he just, every time the ball comes out of his hand, it's right to the first baseman's chest. Like, yeah. and he's got sure hands. He's got pretty good feet. Uh, and, and that's, that's what shows up in the defensive metrics. So right now he's right at the top. You look at outs above average defensive runs saved him and Hassan Kim is just out of the, yeah. out of the charts on, on all that stuff. And, and same thing with Kim. Kim doesn't make flashy plays, but he makes every play he gets to. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to El Paso and get you guys out of here. Uh, strike one Thursday in field Eddie Rosario, who began his rehab assignment back on June 6th, but didn't appear in a game since, returned to action with the Chihuahuas and had a single and a walk and four trips to the plate. The 23-year-old who broke his leg in winter ball could add some versatility to the big league roster down the stretch after he returns to full speed. Jay I was Groom. watching the game the day before that, <laughs> and and they showed the, the dugout. And I'm like, oh, there's Eggie, Eggie Rosario. And- okay, he is around. He's I'm alive. Glad, I, I was glad to hear that he started to play again. Yeah, you know, people get setbacks. It happens. Well, you know, and they don't really announce that stuff in the offseason. So when I was in Peoria for for um in February for uh for fantasy camp, I'm like, why is Eggie Ros-? you know, no one's gonna answer the question. Like, why is Eggie Rosario wearing a boot on his leg? <laughs> because uh, he broke his foot you know God yeah damn. it was kind of a it was it was a it was a footnote i remember seeing somebody tweet it and it was nef- nothing that was made big news yeah. um and then injury kind of stuff that happens in the minors they don't really report that either so right. i i don't think it was an injury kind of a thing it's probably just played a game felt a little bit sore they said okay let's give you a couple of days off and now he's back you know because it's hard to get back into baseball shape you're doing stuff that you can't train for yeah, absolutely. So Jay Groom was charged with six earned runs and had allowed five or more in six consecutive starts. He gave up three home runs among the seven hits allowed. Excuse me. Walked four and struck out four. The lefty is now one and six with a 9.73 ERA after a no decision and, is, and sports a hefty 2.22 whip in his first full season in the Padres organization. Let's just- you know, before earlier, I was talking about depth, about pitching depth and all of this stuff. We were all looking at, at Jay Groom, like this guy could be our fifth starter. Yeah. Like when they amazing spring. Yeah. Before they signed Michael Walker, everybody was looking at him like, okay, this kid's ready. He can do it. And so then you go into the season thinking, okay, when they need, when they need that sixth, seventh guy, he's going to get the call. He's right there on the 40 man, but man, he hasn't, he hasn't shown it. And it's just that one of those things. We live in the upside down. He was one of their top prospects. I and mean, we shoveled a lot of money to Boston, uh, you know, to give them Hosmer. But we got back Jay Groom, which was, you know, which was knocking on the door in Boston, um, had a great spring with the pods and just, you know, maybe this is the season where you just, all right, you just throw it away. You have like a uh, goldfish. 
Didn't they send Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier in that same trade? Yeah. And I, I've been, I follow Rozier still on Instagram and I, I think he might be in high, still in high a, but I haven't heard anything from Max Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson's um, Ferguson's been in high a, he played one game in triple a he's been in high a all year, batting two twenty eight, getting on base at a good clip. Three thirty seven yeah. uh, stolen 23 bags. So he's doing his thing there. But yeah, you know, the bat isn't quite playing up yet. Yeah, and that's you know these guys go into to, from one organization to another. They're young. Like it's fine to have a failed season after a trade like that. You know, not everyone is a James Wood where you hit the ground running. Now I pulled up Rozier here. He's batting three hundred seven, three fifty four, four fifty two in Double A. He's okay. played three games in in Triple A. I wonder if he just got his promotion up. Woo. So. Corey Rozier's doing pretty well. He was an interesting guy to follow last year because uh, they've got him playing outfield, but he could play a little bit of infield too. Absolutely. So let's finish up the strike one. A Jansen Witt, Witty, who reached base in all four plate appearances uh, and put the lumber to the baseball with a pair of doubles and a home run. Kevin Pulowiecki, another seasoned ball player who chipped in, went two for four and legged out. Always impressive. The catcher triple, even though he was tonight's DH. <laughs> uh, since arriving in El Paso, the veteran backstop was slashed 306, 370, 514, and 72 at bats. Good for a 106 WRC plus. I love watching like catchers hitting triples um, are, are the best thing in sports. Like who cares about the home run or the, the, you know, the inside the park home run. It's big lunky guys running around the base. <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember when Benji Molina hit for the cycle in San Francisco? It's like the most unlikely person to hit a triple. Like he hadn't had a triple in five years and he needed a triple for the cycle. And there he is legging it out for the thing. One of the slowest runners out there. Dude, the Plawecki is, is svelte compared to that guy. You know oh yeah. <laughs> so Luis Liberato continued a very productive run for the Chihuahuas. Uh, seven, uh, seven through nine hitters, Witty, Plawecki and Liberato who slugged a double as one of his only two hits on the evening. Strike two on Saturday, Jansen Witte hit a no-doubt grand slam in the bottom of the eighth. The blast capped the day in which Witte, age 33, reached base five times with a single and three walks. Aggie Rosario returned to the lineup after a scheduled off day and had a single and two doubles. The 23-year-old outfielder, or infielder who is working his way back from a broken leg he suffered during the offseason had been shut down for over two weeks after his first attempt to get a rehab assignment going. He was waylaid by discomfort, he felt. Jose Azokar had three hits to extend his latest hitting streak to five games. The fleet outfielder also swiped his first base in over two weeks. He's hit 301 since his demotion. Moises Lugo picked up the win with a scoreless inning of relief. The righty spent two weeks on the IL, but has worked four innings without giving up a run this month and has walked just one after issuing 14 free passes in his first 15 and a third frames on the year. You know, when Domingo Tapia made the big league roster, I was kind of surprised it was him and not Moises Lugo. Yeah, because yeah. Tapia came over from another uh, another organization. They had some major league, you know, had some major league experience a little bit. Uh, and Moises Lugo, the converted third baseman, still needs to do it consistently. Like you just said it right here, had just walked one after issuing 14 free passes in his first 15 frames. Like he's got the stuff. He's got the fastball and he's got the the slider. Um, it just has to do it consistently. Because when you For put sure. someone on you, know, you put someone on the 40 man, it's it's sink or swim. And you know, if, if they're if they're sinking and on the 40 man, you don't want to give up on a guy that just came up and got lit up. So I, I would like to see him maybe push for a bullpen spot next season. 
Well, on that same note, tell us what Ryan Weathers did on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, so here it is, strike three Sunday. Ryan Weathers struck out a career high 10 batters. Uh, he pitched six innings and allowed only one earned run. Weathers rel- relied heavily, more heavily on his slider than he has in any game this year, getting more velocity and tighter, later vertical break on it. He tossed it 33 times among his 101 total pitches, and the results were encouraging. He got nine whiffs and landed it for a call strike six times. Tacoma did not put it in play once. Weathers also dialed in his fastball up to 98 multiple times and was sitting 96 to 97 at the end of his outing. The pitch usage will be worth monitoring, assuming he's given an opportunity to continue to stretch out in El Paso. And there you go. It's about the, you know, sometimes it is about the pitch mix. Have we solved Ryan Weathers? Are we ready to bring him back up? No. But there's another way to looking at things and, you know, going slider heavy can be something that could work for him. Yeah, I've seen some people run some analysis on him and the fastball does not play well. His forcing fastball is flat and it finds the middle of the zone too often. Um, so people have pointed out, well, he could try working, try picking up this pitch, try messing with that. That's what the offseason is for. Uh, but yeah, maybe if he starts leaning on the slider more heavily, yeah. that could at least get him through the end of the season. Yeah. All right, so finishing up with the ACL, uh, strike one, Thursday, Estuar Suero hit his second home run of the season. The blast was a switch hitter's second hit in 13 trips to the plate from the right side. The six foot five center fielder, just 17 years old, is a native of San Pedro de Macorís in the Dominican Republic. I think that's the same town that, that uh, Tatis is from. Yeah, that's the big town. Tyler uh, Tyler Robinson got underway again Thursday. The dynamic outfielder drew a walk in two plate appearances and stole a base before a scheduled departure from the game. The 23-year-old will prepare to rejoin Lake Elsinore in short order. The Padres, who struck out 12 but allowed 10 runs on 13 hits. Uh, Johnny Rosario enjoyed the most success, allowing one run on two hits while walking two and striking out four in two innings of work. The 18-year-old Rosario, a native of Maracaibo, Venezuela, is six is one and zero with a 6.75 ERA and 14 strikeouts in eight innings pitched in his first season stateside after two years in the Dominican Summer League. Okay. So we know a little bit about Tyler Robertson, but Estuar Suero, I heard his name when I was in Peoria. People were talking about him like this is a kid you want to keep your eye on, and now I see why he's 17. Yeah. He's six foot five and he plays center field. There aren't a lot of six foot five guys out there arranged in center field these days. <laughs> no. And I feel so bad because I talked to Tyler Robertson. Uh, the, the day I talked to Tyler Robertson, he went out and played and he left that game and he's been injured ever since. So the, the reverse podcast mojo um, gave him the injury bug. No, no, no. There's, there's no such thing. Right. There's only podcast mojo. It's only good mojo coming out of this podcast. Right. So moving on to strike two, Friday catcher as well. Linares, who's now in, in Lake Elsinore, had a pair of hits and drew two more walks. He's drawn a remarkable 18 walks in 55 plate appearances and has made loud contact when he's gotten pitches in the zone. Young lefty Zach Quinn made his third appearance, his best one yet. The 18-year-old from China who came out of the um, MLB player development league in in china uh pitched four shutout innings allowing just one hit he walked three and struck out three in three outings with the acl squad quinn has a 5.59 era and nine and two-thirds innings but the the fact that he came from the the, you know from the playing development league in in china is fantastic yeah he's another guy that i heard spoken up quite a bit when i was out there in poria last spring 
So strike three, taking it home. On Friday, Tyler Robertson, hoping to be nearing the end of his rehab assignment in the desert, had a pair of doubles and stole a base after getting an off day Thursday. Big left-handed slugger Romeo Sanabria had two more hits and a walk, including an RBI double. The Miami native now shares the league lead with seven doubles through his first 14 games. Oswaldo Linares, who reached base three more times, continued to pace the offense. The 19-year-old has a 557 on-base percentage and is one of the few hitters on the club who's kept his strikeout rate in check. The backstop has drawn 19 walks on the year against just nine strikeouts in 61 plate appearances. So that's the kind of thing that'll get you a call up to, to Lake yeah. Elsinore. Yeah, and he had, he had started the season in Elsinore, but... Villar just took off, and so the playing time was sparse. Yep. Well, now he gets this opportunity again. And there's some ACL news. Nice. Um, also this week, you know, Dylan Lesko threw again. Uh, I, I can't remember. I didn't. I didn't write down what he he wrote, but yeah, what he threw. But some of the video looks great. The guy is just. He's going to be fun to watch. He's one of those it's, kids. It's those er, like those early days when Anderson Espinosa was making yeah. his first uh, rehab. It's. It doesn't matter what happens. On the box score. Yeah. You know, so Jerry Espinosa is a great guy to follow. He's out at those back lots all the time, taking pictures and he'll tweet out what somebody did. So he tweeted out what Lesko's line was that day, but it's a back lot game. It, it doesn't really matter. And it's just that he got out there. He got his work in. Everything looked good. He felt good after, you know, got out of bed feeling good the next day. That's what matters for these guys yeah. right now. Absolutely um, the health. We'll see a month from now or so. That's when they'll start talking about Lesko maybe making it off the complex to go play in games that matter. Yeah, they'll probably stretch them. You know, they're going to stretch him out to a two innings or so before, you know, in, in the next few weeks or so and see if he can't get out there after the All-Star break. Yeah, probably has more to do with just the, the performance. Yeah. You know, is, yeah. is he mowing guys down? Is it just, is he at, out of his league there, yeah. or, you know, above the league playing his way out? <clears throat> Absolutely. All right, so you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go minor league system. Yes, go tin caps, <laughs> go storm, go chihuahuas, go, go missions. And Stevie